What's up, guys? I am Caleb Giddings. And I am Keith. And I'm Jack. And <laughs> we'd like to thank all of our sponsors for supporting Gun Day Brunch. And you can view a title card of them right there. All right, now that we've got that part of the event done, uh, we're just going to jump right into the news. I remember when news would do that, like there was like the, the cut card of like Action <sighs> 5 News. The, the angry beeping. Great news um, right uh, this moment. What was the movie? Uh, Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow had that like... Fantastic shitty movie. Yes. Honestly, one Pretty of the best... Great terrible yeah, one of the best B movies ever made, and it's good. And I'll say this because at no point does it take itself too seriously. If no, that movie no. had taken itself just like a little bit more seriously, it would have been ass. But it doesn't, so it's good. Um, it also looks terrible. Like, no, it, it, <laughs> it is, yeah, it is. It's very much a product of that time when people were like, very, "We're gonna CGI very secondary studio." <laughs> As a related question before we get to today's topics, how is it that the CGI in the Hobbit movies looks worse than the CGI in the Lord of the Rings movies, which came out earlier? Uh, because they got lazy. Look at the, well, one, the Hobbit is the Hobbit trilogy is for children. Agree. The, the Lord of the Rings is more young adult, adult oriented, and they spent some more money on it. The art style of The Hobbit is very much like if you are 14 and under, this movie's for you. Okay, um, that's fair. And that might have been why I didn't vibe with it as much because I was 30-something when they came right, out. Like, so, like, if you look at, like... That era where practical effects were... They, they right. still tried to do as much practical so, effects stuff as they could in the movie, which actually gave them their CG... It compressed their CG budget. Um, and they were able to do better with the scenes that were actually CG versus now, you know, everything they could with a practical effect. I will also tell you that I, I am a fan of Weta Studios, the people who do mm -hmm. the practical and special effects for pe for those movies. And we have some of their like insider stories um, about like their costuming. One of the dwarves, I forget which one, is wearing a Egyptian cotton shirt that is 200 years old it is his undershirt it's not on screen um each one of the dwarves have everything you see on them is specifically tailored for that character mm. including things in backpacks that like you never see that you'll never see um they also at a point were like well at Bilbo, not Bilbo. Yeah, Bilbo. Bilbo. Yeah, it's supposed to slide Bilbo. down this mountain of gold, and they're like, "We can't special effect that. We're gonna have to practical it." But none of the painted coins looks right. Like it doesn't have that dull luster that gold is supposed to have. So Jackson just went, "Well, then get gold coins." So when you see him slide down this gold mountain. It's That's on gold. green screen stuff, but he's writing gold down. And in the book, like, this is part of an interview. The interviewer is like, what? How much gold? And he's like, a couple of thousand coins, honestly. And so like, like, um, how like, how many are dollars? left? Like, where are these? And he's like, we've got about 500 left. And they're like, 500 left out of a couple of thousand? He goes, honestly, 
and he like open Peter Jackson opens up his drawer and dumps like 20 on. He's like, I stole a bunch. What was I gonna say? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I took it too. I don't know if that's true, but it should be. Oh. <laughs> that's that's in a book um about the what they've done. I will say that the practical effects in the Lord of the Rings are much better, but it was also much more expensive. If you wanted it's, to make a quick cash draft film, also, like you pointed out, a more serious project. And I love right. how we derailed the gun podcast by talking about Lord of the Rings because we are at our hearts nerds first. Oh, super nerds. Also, if, if you want a really good example of this, take a look at Jurassic Park One mm-hmm. versus Jurassic World. Oh, JP One yeah. still looks fantastic. Yeah. I watched it this week. Um, also, the amount of time between dinosaurs have broken out. I should get a gun traumatized me as a child. And that's why I am the way I am today. Like, I, <laughs> like it is a day and a half before Muldoon is like, hmm, I'm going to get shot. Maybe I out. should grab that there shot. Right. Why he Muldoon, doesn't have. Why are we waiting so long? Why that man doesn't have a 458 with like ready to go, like a bolt gun with Ashley Express sights. Bro, he went out to like look for these people. Without a gun. What do you have? I have a flashlight. That's what and a and a five speed manual Jeep. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Hey, don't hate on the five speed manual Jeep. <laughs> I have one of those. Me, um, meanwhile, I have to give credit to the third movie, as awful as that one was. They land and the dude gets off with a 50 cal, like, no, I I know what's here. He's like, I I know, I know what's, what's here. This Barrett be coming with me. Uh, and also I do have to give credit to Chris Pratt's character for uh for being like, you know, let's just let's just have a gun. Let's let's have a gun. We should that's he was right. kind of a hippie. Yeah, he was, but he had a gun because he understands dinosaurs sometimes need a bullet and nothing says dinosaur killing like 4570. <laughs> it is T-Rex rated. It is. It is I love that, you know, that's, the that's one of my favorite things Henry ever did was put the little T-Rex was, symbol. That was Marlin. That was the dearly <laughs> departed Marlin. That not had. the optic I would have chosen. If no, we're gonna no. depart from this even further, which we're already off on this. Uh if I'm hunting dinosaurs, it's a red dot. It's a red dot all day long, yeah. guys. Mm-hmm. I need field of view. You're- if, yeah, especially you're, you're, not, hunting, you're not lining up a, a quick shot on a tiny animal, you know, 300 yards away with your 4570. You're snap shooting the giant angry lizard. You're shooting a school bus. Let's be right. <laughs> Wait, hang on. Not a school bus, guys. That was bad. That's it. Don't, guard don't, shark, don't, guard don't, don't, don't clip that, guys. Please, internet. Uh, no, but seriously, like, if you're if we're doing a best gun for dinosaur and we're, you know, you have to sort of, like, confine yourself to some fictional universe's dinosaur rules because obviously we know absolutely fuck all about how dinosaurs actually behaved uh but if we're confining ourselves to sort of the fictional dinosaur behavior of the jurassic park verse then i actually question a lever action 4570 for a world where things like velociraptors exist because those bitches are fast right i want rounds and i want i mean i hate to say it but do, do I want a 308? Is that kind of like for a velocity? Velociraptor is like a person size. Something, something in a world where six five Creedmoor exists. Now, and, there you go. And we spared no expense. I'm running around with a six five Creedmoor SBR. Yep. Oh, living wow. my best life. Wow. Yes. So, yes. R- something R- something very high velocity <laughs> that can <laughs> well, put a suppressor that on it. Predator grade, dense muscle and bone. 
and fuck shit up. That's yes. So, also, hey, wait, did they uh, make a Scar in Six Five Creed more? They do. They do. Yeah, there you go. Scar Six Five Creed more. We have uh, nailed the what gun for Velociraptor the- <laughs> right there. <laughs> No, that's, that's that's velociraptors. That's your medium-sized, you know, triceratops. Mm-hmm. Like, look, it's it probably won't kill a T Rex, but I don't think anything short of like RPGs will. I mean, with the T Rex, you're definitely going to need to go up to like your, you know, African, you know, buffalo rifles, right? I don't like, think that's going to do it. You really? No, I mean, this... you're prop. They're prop- bigger than elephants. Light- know, like yeah. probably getting into light armor. <laughs> yeah, like we're we're not right talking here. about a bull elephant here. We're talking about a creature twice the size of a bull elephant. Right, and that, we really have no idea what skin density or musculature is like. <laughs> right, like I'm just not ballistic. Is right out. We are going to go to rocket assisted. Mm-hmm. I'm not taking on a T Rex. Well, okay, hold now, on. I, I think heap will do it. I don't think we need to go to you know. HEDP or anything crazy like that. I think a standard mm-hmm. high explosive armor penetrating round. Um, RPG seven. I, 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 I think a law is a perfect option. Twenty millimeter, you're probably good. If you're honestly, at the twenty millimeter level, you're probably good. I I think you would probably be good with fifty cal. All right, like fifty cal with the right round. You're gonna have to. Oh, you're gonna have to brain pan that thing. Fifty cal will. I mean, fifty cal will do light armor or, or right? a so, lot, a lot into that chest cavity. Many, yeah, many a Deuce, not a Barrett. Oh yeah, no, I'm yeah. not. No, I'm talking about a vehicle mounted fifty cal. Yeah. All right, <laughs> as you're driving away from it, you're going. <laughs> yeah, just giving him, giving him all <laughs> of the bullets. I you know, as you constantly scream for ammo, or just where they tried course. that. And it's it's funny. I if I recall correctly, which I probably don't. I think there were scenes in two where they tried that because they had technicals and they had vehicle mount. And like every vehicle mounted gunner is just absolutely inept bullshit in that movie. Yeah. And it's just like, wow, why well, did you all get picked for this job? It's it's the inevitable <laughs> thing of like, okay, I've got to go to the dinosaur island. All right, mm-hmm. who are we hiring? Well, when it comes down to like, who can you hire right away? who's willing to take a gun and go someplace really dangerous, it's not the best of the best. Here's a little inside inside secret, guys. You can get good, you can get cheap, and you can get fast. But you got to pick two out of the three. And when it comes to mercenaries, good isn't that great of an option. Yeah. (laughs) You're telling me Blackwater's not signing up for this one. Yeah, like, and, and here's the thing. If you want really good mercenaries, they exist. It takes a while. You got to get those guys mm-hmm. out of their, like, civilian life. They got to do a little bit of a trade-up. They got to work together. You got to get all this stuff together. Then they can go and do something. That does exist. That has happened. But if you want quick and fast, it's uh Yeah, you're, you're, you're hiring the friggin' Mogadishu uh, right. market special right there. Like, hey, guys, saying. I got $500. You all want to you... get on this boat and not ask a lot of questions? Here's some AKs. If you want to get the real world equivalent of the Wolf's Dragoons, and if anyone can name that deep cut in the comments, then I yeah, can, of course man. you can. Like that's a, that's ex- expected in this group. But if you want to get the real world version of those guys, take some time. And those guys probably aren't. Those guys are going to do a risk analysis of going to Dinosaur Island and being like, "This juice may not be worth the squeeze for." Actually, us. of like, all the people that I think are like ready for Dragon, like Dinosaur Island, it's Wolf Dragoons. Well, yeah, but that's because they have battle mechs. <laughs> Right? I'm talking about like take that concept out of Battletech and throw it into man, Battletech. 
that was a great fictional universe. Like it's that. Still going. Well, um, no, I know it's still going, but like I stopped. I fell out of it after after they defeated the clans in like like when they invaded clans face and defeated them. God, and then, you missed out on Word of Blake then. That yeah. Is... No, I know I got I got all the word I got the Word of Blake stuff, but I didn't. Word get of Blake's the... post clans though. Oh wait, so was that when they had like the the uh, all like the the hyperspace infrastructure got destroyed and they couldn't. No, like... that's uh, that is pre clan. Um, I think it's Dark Age Two is what they no, they, they ended did. Up... They did a post after they after Prince Davian becomes Star Lord, or yeah, is that what they call it? Becomes you know super boss guy and takes the invasion and invades after clan space and kicks Chris their ass. Pratt. Yeah. After he does that and kicks the clan's ass, then they kind of took a break and then they did like a they jumped it forward in time a whole bunch. And I'm going to pause right here. If you have no idea what we're doing or talking about and you like Game of Thrones level intrigue in a Star Wars style setting, I want you to punch up Ted T.E.D. Talks Battletech in YouTube. Pause what we're doing. And go, go check this guy out right now. This guy does multi-hour-long breakdowns of some of the coolest science fiction that's ever been in history. Um, the only reason BattleTech is not bigger is because of a lot of licensing issues that happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is really well done. Highly recommended. Also, to the, to the large number of people who reached out to me, writers who love this source material, doing yeah, this stuff. Like we would just be like. Uh, the amount of people who reached out to me and were like, I watched my first anime because you recommended Edge Runners. Thank you. <laughs> 10 out of 10. Welcome to Major League, guys. Fantastic. There we go. There's, real, though. There's, a, there's a shout out for you for another show, Edge Runners on Netflix, which I'm going to start today. So Battletech oh. was so good, and it was a shame because they never got, I think one of the other things that hurt it in the long run was there was never a truly mainstream successful visual medium adaptation of it mm-hmm. and i mean and again due to complicated licensing issues the lawsuit with robotech uh the fact that one of the companies that owned the ip fucking went out of business for a while mm-hmm. like just you know it was one of those where the universe was so great and so expansive and there's so many great stories um and i'm sure you know and, and as you said it's still going but it just never like like that's one of the saddest things about some of these off off off-brand media and off-brand storytelling is there's a lot of good work out there that unfortunately falls prey to the fact that there's a lot of legal shit that has to get done before we get to see a screen adaptation Mm -hmm. or even like a good published book from a big mainstream publisher like, well, and let's be honest. There's a lot that has to go on, a lot of checks in boxes that have to go on before we get to see some of this stuff. And it unfortunately screens out a lot of really good, really fun media that we don't get to play with. Hold on. Speaking of checks, boxes. <laughs> boxes. All right. I was going to pivot to Mech Warrior Mercenaries and talk about autocannons and shit, but that's a better one. So, that at is some a point, great... guys. Honestly, my brain was like, why did that hurt my 
What? Oh, oh the thing we're really going to talk about. All right, so guys, so topic of the episode. We're going to talk the about the greatest food drop of all time. Oh no, the title of this episode is "What Gun for T Rex" for sure. Um, <laughs> the so let's talk about this. So there's a news story, and if you haven't read this news story, I don't know what planet you've been on. I made a meme about this that was hilarious. Um, so what we did. Uh, what you see what happened was this couple <laughs> orders some Millsurp M16 crates. And when they get these Millsurp M16 crates, and if you've never seen these crates before, I've had to unfortunately deal with them a lot. It's a big double-sided green case. It holds six guns in one side, six guns on the other side. You undo the latches and kind of flip it over, right? Um, when they opened they're, up these crates. They're really big. They get put onto the surplus market all the time mm -hmm. and they get demilled by units. Like I I think four or five times from my Marine Corps unit alone, we had a day where it's like, all right, get all the junior enlisted in here. Give me 15 of these guys. We're all going to toss these on a truck so they can go get sold because we're not using them anymore. Pretty but much. what happened in this case? What happened in this case is when this couple opened them up, inside were some really nice looking m16a2s and i mean those things looked like they had not been shot a lot they looked real pretty and then in a thing that makes absolutely no sense to me they they told people about it <laughs> they they told people that they had found a bunch of machine guns and here's here's the thing all right so look damn you don't want to own unregistered machine guns i get it a lot of that are legal things okay just imagine we said all of the legal shit that we're supposed to say okay now let's talk about crime because <laughs> how this works. now that we have given our nfa disclaimer you will go go to prison now let's pretend you don't no one would have been looking for those guns no those Not guns were written off by the, by Big Army. They said, and someone somewhere had filled out paperwork that said that those guns were demilled and destroyed, all right, or had been sold to Bolivia or whatever country we sell. And, and guys, to. if you don't believe this, we've done this for nuclear weapons. Yeah, for the record, there are written off nuclear weapons right now. I've done this for M16s where I fill up paperwork and I ship them back to DRMO, and then DRMO does whatever they do with them, and. You, at some point, the gun ceases to exist, right, mm -hmm. in the eyes of the U.S. government, whether it's destroyed or sold to, you know, a partner nation or not a partner nation, you know, whatever. Then in the eyes of the government, that gun doesn't exist. They still have serial numbers and records, but they're not going to come looking for it. No, no, no one's it's, gonna... it's no longer the government's problem. Right. Government CID is not going to turn up at your door and be like, done on this thing. it's not their problem anymore. CID was never going to turn up at this couple's door and be like, knock, 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 we're here for the M16s, all right? So it was it, it was an example of where if they had wanted to keep a couple of crates full of just magical mystery M16s and, you know, arm your citizens' defense brigade or do whatever with them, you could have. Now the problem is- Or just go ham and burn out some barrels, like yeah. whatever you want to do. This is this is the ultimate example of nobody was looking for these guns until you spoke up yeah. and did the and now right you ruined some and lives. said, uh, "Hey, um, there were M16s in here," and the ATF is going, "Damn it!" So, and because here's the here's the sort of corollary to that to what Jack just said, having ruined some lives. Now the army cares about these guns. 
They yep. didn't care about them when they didn't exist, but now they're going to get a full accounting of those serial numbers and they're going to uh -huh. have somebody go all the way back through all of this paperwork until they find out who fucked it up. And I hope that whoever fucked it up has retired already or gotten out. And you're that doesn't mm. save you. That it does. Uh, it no. doesn't legally save you, but it probably will in this case because the army will probably just be like, "Ah, well, it was a mistake, and he's out." So there, we're there, this guy's life there, there are hopefully enough barriers between we wrote off these guns and these crates, and nobody bothered to check that they were all empty, to whatever whatever people were the ones who were doing that. Hopefully, there so are enough we, barriers in place all, that it's like, we've ah, all this done, is not a problem. We've all so done the working. thing where it's like manual labor time we're all going to move a bunch of stuff right yeah. we've all done that right yeah i've done with crates i have certainly in my life been in a job lifting a hundred things and on 97 you're like whoa that doesn't feel right, right. that's a lot heavier than the oh, other hey, Bob, open this thing up which doesn't require a key and let's take a gander at what's in here. no one no one thought to look that's yeah, the craziest guys, thing is that in M the amount of time teams weigh eight pounds each so 12 of them will change the weight of that crate significantly <laughs> and that's the craziest thing to me too is that the whole time these crates have been floating around on the surplus market nobody cracked them open nobody was yeah, like oh like, let's see the, what's on the inside these had these to things. have landed several places before getting on the market to be like hey here's a hundred crates unless they were all palleted up or what if these weren't the only ones and somebody did crack them open? Like, hey, I, I'm willing to bet that a lot of private duffies in the world have things they shouldn't have. And I don't, I don't know anything about any of that stuff. Uh, no, I'm also going to guess that somewhere in the world right now, there's a nebulous looking guy, probably about 27 years old, graduated from a good college, not a great college. He's a little brighter than average. Who's sitting in a third world shithole right now, looking at an empty crate that's supposed to be arming a series of gorillas that he's been funding. And he's stuck here in a moment where he's like, zero crates. <laughs> <laughs> Five stones. <clears throat> like, oh, I was really supposed to trade some M16s for cocaine to fund some things that we're not supposed to talk about. <laughs> Oh my god. Oh, that is actually awesome. We got our, we got our three uh three letter agencies crossed here, ladies and gentlemen. That is <laughs> that's actually a not an unreasonable uh presumption on what was supposed to happen to these guns because they're supposed to get disappeared and then private snuffy was like, Yeah, crate A goes on that truck and crate B goes on that truck, and they got on the wrong trucks. Yeah, because private snuffy doesn't care which crate is crate. No, yeah. private private snuffy had no reason to care. He was just told make these go away yeah. by corporal or sergeant what the fuck and th that's what he did he was like all right fine <laughs> yeah he was like get these crates and, on the truck and when the privates got to the heavy crate they had already been told like six times i don't give a fuck make them go on the truck so they were like all right well the heavy one goes too that's yeah. what happened oh a hundred percent it is yeah i like there, there is nothing the military is better at than making the junior enlisted not give a fuck about a thing that they probably should. <laughs> like, like suspiciously weighted grades. Yeah, and I gotta say, like, I'm not. There's no part of me that thinks this it was malicious in any way, shape, or form. Right? I have no 
No, no. I, the, no. The, odds, the odds of this literally being exactly that, like all of these crates were supposed to be decommed, or most of them were supposed to be decommed. A, a crate that still had 16s in it that were going to uh, one of the depot level uh, maintenance places to get decommissioned got in the wrong pile because it's the same crate and they just weren't done with it yet. And they got some guy who didn't give a fuck who got told to just move the shit happened there. And, and it then ended up on a FedEx truck to these, these yeah. fine folk in Texas who were then like, hmm, M16s. I should talk about these with someone in the authorities. Also, no, you if you guys don't know, this happens more than anyone wants to talk about. No, no, this oh, happens yeah. a lot. So, like, if your question is, Jack, I have 50, 60 grand in inheritance money, I don't really know what to do with it. You could decide to become a gambler. And I think there are a couple of forms of gambling in the world. You could go to Vegas and lose all your money and maybe you get a little bit of money in return that's fine or you can buy military surplus containers and spin the wheel because the shit that we know have turned up in these things is fucking wild especially if you have that 50 to 60 and you're buying on the pallet level like if you're buying oh my god but if you're buying pallet level surplus odds, odds get better I know a guy who it, it's his thing that he looks for certain size crates and he's like above a certain size crate in a DMRO like auction has a really good chance of having something expensive in it. And he has made bank off this. He had one that had an entire mill. Like this is a CNC mill yeah. that they pack yep. up, ship someplace, repack, send back, we've gone yep. so many places. It was he was like, yeah, that covered my nut for the whole year yeah. when I sold that like, on the open so market. I got a CNC mill. And you get things like, uh, I know like a couple of Humvees have gotten sold where they had ordnance in the back of them. Again, that's a shut up. And I oh. have heard yep. a story in, in when we, you know, like in this world, when this gets talked about, there's a story of a University of Florida professor buying two large crates that he thought had machining in them, um, and they turned out to have torpedoes in them. That one I would call about. I would be like, can well, I get like so a, a the story goes two different ways. That's, that's not something I've, I can really use. <laughs> I've heard the same story like six times, so it, it's probably a sea story at this point. But it has two variants of it, and I've noticed that even six times, I've heard it four ways, I've heard it two ways. Four ways, they're unarmed. There's basically, like, no cone of okay. boom boom on it. And he calls, but and they come and get picked up. Yep, it's just the, the body. Two, they were nukes. Now, I know we'll what you're thinking. X to doubt, but... Oh, but do you, though? We have, I mean, we've we lost, have lost 52 of them. We have lost nuclear weapons before, so maybe. I I, mean, I, actually, <laughs> I post I posted about that earlier. I'm like, guys, if you think this is a rare occurrence or a really big deal, you don't want to start digging into how often it happens and with what grade of weapons. <laughs> I mean, if you guys want to read like a, a butthole puckering story, go research. So the Air Force, we have like MAGCOMs, right? Uh, one of them is Global Strike Command. Global Strike Command is responsible for all of like our nuclear weapons and stuff like that in the Air Force. 
Global Strike Command exists as a MAGCOM because we lost a fucking nuke. All right. We just flew a nuke to somewhere it was wasn't supposed to be and parked it on an airfield and left it unsecured on the runway. And this it wasn't like like a little bitty like do to do like tactical nuke. This was like a city killing nuke. This was a nuke that would not you don't want to hit like you know Indianapolis or whatever. My my favorite one is the one they yeeted into the practice range. Um, and then my other favorite one is the one where the the bay malfunctioned. And they thought they had a practice round on board. And so they drop it like, hey, no big deal. This is just a dud. They get back and like the chief in charge of the ordinance is like, oh, thank God you're back. And like, Where'd it go? <laughs> Where? <laughs> Donde esta el and, bomba? And the pilot's like, oh yeah, the, the bay doors and the, the latches were getting all weird. So we just dropped it. No big deal, right? And they're like, kind of a big deal. Very big deal. We've got, we got two that are missing off the coast of Georgia, and they're like, it's roughly somewhere in this 50-mile range. I'm like, that's a range you search. Okay? Yeah. I know it's back like, in the 50s, you guys thought you'd be dropping these all the time, but they're kind of a big deal nowadays. You gotta be careful. <laughs> I'd like to know where that one is. Um, all right, so uh, that's about it for this episode, guys. If you find M16s, do what you feel in your heart is the right thing to do. And that's really all I'm going to say about that. Um, and I do want to give an announcement. So I have not yet picked two winners for the slide milling contest because of the timing when we filmed this episode. I want to give that episode a little bit more time to give more comments. So not this episode, but next episode, I will announce our winners for the best comments in the slide milling contest. You still have time to do that. All right. So go and tell me what cool gun you want to uh, see made. Uh, I will say the guy who said a modern interpretation of the Delisle carbine is he's got a strong chance, strong chance because mm. Delisle carbines are fucking cool. Way, way to play to the hipster and the crew. Yeah, <laughs> I well, mean, the look, judging, like the number of comments where people are just like, I just the number of comments that are very clearly pandering to me where they're like, I just want a three inch three twenty seven Magnum with good sights and optics ready, and I'm like. That's you're just pandering to the judge at this point, and you're not wrong. So, you know, <laughs> I'm right, not going to say you're wrong for doing it. I am going to say I see you doing it. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. All right, guys, that is it for this week. Thank you, everybody. Make sure you like, share, subscribe, abduct people, and force them to listen to uh, episodes while they're in the trunk of your car. Uh, in Minecraft. In Minecraft, right, in Minecraft. And uh, this week's Pearl of Wisdom that I got from the internet is Minecraft is proof that banning child labor was wrong and children yearn for the mines. Thanks, guys. We will be back next week. <laughs>